0: pretty important stuff our very first guest someone that you have a very close link with some would argue i have a closer link with uh, she is your daughter she is my favorite niece it is the one and only is he Izzy. is he welcome to has been hoops podcast thank you oh i see we've got a delay you're in america for sure um is I'm going to let your dad take a back seat in this one, and I'm actually going to drive this interview because, like I said, you're close to your dad, but I'm probably closer to you as your favourite uncle at the end of the day. Um, Tell us what it's been like going to UCLA. Like, Obviously, it's one of the biggest colleges you can think of if you're an Australian kid. You had tons of offers. I was there at the house when the offers would come in daily, and you've landed on UCLA. Tell me what your experience has been like so far.
1: I mean, it's been full of lots of ups, lots of downs, but it's definitely been worth it. And I know I definitely made the right decision Um, that I'm getting ready to start my second season coming off an injury. So I'm excited to get back on the court and yeah.
0: What's been the toughest uh, adjustment for you? Uh, Uprooting from what you know in Melbourne Moving to the other side of the world, you don't have family there constantly. You've got to meet a whole new bunch of girls, a whole new bunch of friends. What's been your challenges so far uh, in your experience since moving to uh, the States?
1: Uh, I think I was eased into it a little bit. I don't think that I really had a harsh adjustment, but I know the first few months were the hardest. I was homesick kind of most days throughout the summer and I hadn't had an off season where you just train and train and train for so long without playing a game. So I think that was one of the biggest adjustments where I felt like I was going in every day, working hard and I felt like it was so far around the corner that I didn't know what I was working hard for yet. Um, But I would say like basketball wise, that was probably the hardest adjustment and then just getting my bearings away from everything I know. For the first few months, was definitely maybe biggest off the court.
0: Now, I, I got to experience the college lifestyle. Um, your dad didn't get to experience the college lifestyle. Tell me outside of the basketball court what that lifestyle has been like for you and um, w- w- the differences between what you were doing in Australia versus what, what you get to do as a collegiate athlete
1: yeah, I mean, it's different. I feel like I don't have as much free time here. I think most of the day is scheduled for you and you work around that. But then again, I live in the middle of LA, so it's pretty special that every day can look different away from the court. Some days I'm at the beach in Santa Monica and then it's having lunch in Beverly Hills and it's doing all those things that you kind of ride off as something you do on holidays or, or on a vacation. But really, that's where I live and that's what I get to do. But I mean, the day-to-day, I live in a really cool little, it feels like a college town in the middle of a really big city. So I think that's really cool that that's kind of where I spend my day to day. And I mean, I'm in finals weeks of of school right now before Christmas. So right now, I mean, instead of doing all my studying everything just at home, I get to go do that in the coffee shops. There's two Australian coffee shops in Westwood, which is where I live. So that gives me like a little piece of home as well. But then I mean, I get a break and then I get to kind of spend half my day. We finish practice and everything by about noon each day. So after that, one of my friends from home is coming. So I'll get to go experience LA again and do some really cool things. And then just being on the other side of the world, I have like a six day break for Christmas. So I get to go experience New York and I get to go do all these things that aren't necessarily a reality of going away for five days to New York from Australia, but that's something I can definitely do from here.
0: Uh, For the people back in Australia, you truly don't understand how shit American coffee is until you've had an American coffee and how much you miss Australian coffee because the Americans, uh, God bless them, as they would say, uh, are shit at coffee at the end of the day. Um, Let's talk about your team at the moment. You've just won the Battle of Atlantis. Mm -hmm. You're currently Mm -hmm. ranked number thirteen in the nation. Your only loss has come to a number one South Carolina team that you guys were up for a lot of that game. Tell us where the teams, why your team's having success at the moment, and what's the vibe around the group uh, with what you guys are doing currently.
1: I mean, last year was definitely a really hard season. We had disruptions from kind of a lingering COVID and we didn't get the results that we wanted last year and last season. So I think the returners coming back made it a really big priority that we we led the way that we did things and we didn't let the things that disrupted last year get in the way. And then we had the number one recruiting class come in as freshmen. So I think they've followed the way and just added a whole lot more to the team that we already had. So It's been a really great mix of kind of leadership and then these new fresh players that are obviously a really talented group that have come in and learned what their role in this team is, executed their role, and it's a really special team in that sense.
0: Where do you fit in coming back into this team?
1: I mean, I'm looking at the same role kind of that I had last year. I think there's always somebody that needs to do the things that not everybody's going to do. It's the screening, it's the rebounding, it's all of that. So that's where to get again. your head
0: cut open multiple times a game.
1: Oh, i going to hope that one doesn't happen again this <laughs> Um But, I mean, I think that's kind of the separator that gets me on the court. So I have about three weeks left before I play a game. So I think it's getting down to those little details that matter that not everybody's willing to do and that'll get me on the court. So you wear number
0: 43 and um correct me if i'm wrong it's because of Chris Golding that you wear number 43. Uh Absolutely. is that right? Yeah. All right. You do realize that your dad was pretty good at basketball himself. Is there any reason you didn't pick number 13 or 33 it was taken. for that matter? <laughs> All 33 for that matter.
1: That wasn't going to happen but 13 was taken.
0: Fair enough. I, I feel a little bit gypped in this one, but that's all right. That's all right. I know. I know. When it all said and done, where you're going to come to at the end of the day? It's to Uncle Worthy, so I, I get it. What's been the the biggest thing that you've learned from your dad, basketball wise? And what's the biggest thing you've learned from your dad, non basketball wise? Chris, shut up.
1: No, I had something that I told somebody the other day and it was really, like, philosophical. I was like, my dad taught me this early and now I really don't remember what it is. And I have a bunch of screaming roommates.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: U- U- USA might have finally scored a goal in the Soccer World Cup.
1: <laughs> I need to think about this one because I have a really good answer and it's stuck at the tip of my tongue and I can't figure it out.
0: You know the best piece of advice your dad ever gave me I'm scared. Is, is is train as if someone important is always watching you. So even when there's no one around, how do you how do I think that's probably the best thing your dad's ever said to me as far as a basketball player. Um, because it's true.
1: Probably in my top five.
0: Top five. Geez, you've just got five things.
2: So, Liz is sorting out the streaming rooms. We traveled around easy picked our last five schools. And I just want to tell you on this LA part. And he's the number one South Carolina. And they were great program. John Staley was a good coach. We a this small college town. And we came we went down to the University of Miami. And we had an incredible two days in Miami. The campus was beautiful. I the DJ visiting, which was still there playing. I had a drink with me that night and said, if Izzy chooses Miami, this is going to be incredible. And then we went to the University of Michigan, one of the most historic schools in the United States, academically as well as sporting. And he ends up having midnight food with Barack Obama's daughter, just on top of everything else. Then we get in the TCU in, in Fort Worth and one of his closest friends in the world is playing there. And there are these four incredible schools. And we get to UCLA. And we've been there 30 minutes. And we're walking, hardly we haven't even checked into the room. We've just had a quick meal with the coaching staff. We've been down to Santa Micah. at just and go, I'm coming here. Like, what? Well, God. No, I'm coming here. They, everyone, Everything in their mind was, I know mean, she's made the right thing. She made the right choice. You we know, didn't to sure, think about it for a little bit longer. And we sat there for about three hours trying to pick what was wrong with cell And I mean, we maybe this is happening. And it, it was so hard to even really find something that could actually make an agent like I'll, I'll say that people ask me the time he was doing. But, Every single thing that UCLA promised is, a me if I'm wrong, every single thing they promised is exactly what they're delivering. And then he's so rare for a college program, because oftentimes you get to them with and and they'll promise the world and deliver an atlas. But everything that he's going through, through him, through him, through, him, through, him, through him, on the court, is exactly what they're delivering. I think as a parent taking the basketball away, as my voice breaks a little bit, um, that's the absolute number one thing about being in LA. So back is a role that sounds like you've got five room there.
0: No, I think even when you put out those five names, South Carolina, University of Miami, uh, Michigan, UCLA, TCU sort of sounds like the name that shouldn't be <laughs> with those other four programs. Um, and but I know you're probably right, like, you people right,
2: but it also always comes down to people and you're the best people in TCU, and that's really important.
0: The one thing that I remember from this whole experience of, you know, people reaching out to talk to Izzy, uh, to the, the bloody postcards that should get daily or, or little notes that should get to uh the trip that she took with you and Lindley the one thing that just stood out to me was in every photo I saw Izzy she had a smile on her face which it meant like this was the right thing for her to do like to move to the states I think growing up in the Vic Metro program you're always winning you know there wasn't too much adversity there as far as competition goes but taking that next step, like she had a great world's campaign uh, and then taking that next step in the college. And the one thing that I know about the college system is Izzy from year one to Izzy to year four will be a completely different basketball player, will be a completely different human. And that's the bit that excites me that she's still in this really early stages of her development, um, and as an uncle, I couldn't be prouder.
2: Before, you know, what before was he talks and he's maybe, oh, I'll shut up again, but I think all of us knew him. You said Izzy didn't stop smiling on that trip. And one of the best videos I've got, you know, UCLA as a team, they huddle up at the end of every practice and they ask if anyone would like to say something. And Izzy was the recruit and the recruit moved the talks. And Izzy had told the coaching staff the night before that she was coming and it was this really beautiful night and moment and so Coach Corey said would you like to tell the team tomorrow and she said are you sure and we were all sure and she looked at me and she's like is she serious right now I'm like yeah she's like how are you with this like I couldn't be happier she said would you like to tell the team because normally they let the recruit go home they'll tell the team in the coming weeks and they do it that way so Izzy was in this huddle at the end of practice, and maybe we'll put the video up if Izzy lets us. But they got to the end and says, "Anyone else got anything?" And Izzy spoke and said, "Yeah, I do." And everyone just kind of went, "Whoa, whoa, the, the recruits who doesn't talk, here, the team talks kind of thing. And I kind of looked at him. All right, what is it? She's going. I told Corey last night that I'm coming here to play next year, and the team lost their mind. It was incredible, and you know, I know you remember that moment really well. But in the ship, that was COVID that hit after that, like you said, where they were little smiles. I'm, I'm trying to make the point, but then COVID was really shit. And is you'd probably there were times that you probably figured college might not be perfect because it was a little bit too hard. So for you to actually get over to the United States again, and remember, we had one chat where. The only thing that I could say to my Izzy smile was like, just remember that one moment. Just remember how you felt when those girls celebrated like crazy and what felt in that moment. Because through COVID, it was really hard to like that. So for me, that was really special. I'm glad she got there. I'm not telling you where the Izzy, I'm glad you got there. Because I think it was hard you to get back there, but it was hard through COVID. Now I'll shut up again.
0: That's 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 really good, Chris, and I'm glad that your balls have finally dropped um, as we hear the cracking in your voice. Um, now, we, we do have one segment, Izzy, on our show called Going Through Your Phone. Um, I've gone through Christopher's phone and uh, I found oh, a video. I found a video. Oh. And um, I sort of need you to explain what was happening in this video um you had a hole in your leg you're on a green whistle uh you were telling everyone that you love them um <laughs> tell us tell us uh what happened that day
1: um i was <laughs> i didn't admit it for a very long time but um i was at school i think it was in like the ninth grade or something and I walked upstairs to my my little locker and a few of my friends were having like a box jumping competition, but it wasn't up onto those like foam, like boxes or anything. It was up onto two like levels of those pigeonholes that you chuck your sports bags in or whatever, because you don't have room in your locker. And so I was like, well, (laughs) I'm going to get in on this. So I jumped and then everybody's like, no, she did it. And then I was like, yeah. And then another group came up and they're like, you didn't make it. And I had to, I had to prove them wrong. So I was like, all right, I'll do it again. So as I went to jump again, my toe caught the top as I landed, but my whole foot didn't get onto the top. So my foot slipped and I just landed down on the corner of these like pigeon holes onto my shin and just popped it open. Like, straight down to the bone. And then, I mean, everybody was freaking out cause there's blood pouring out of my leg and then there's teachers, what happened? And I said, well, I tripped over. Um, <laughs> obviously did not. Um, but then, yeah, I was rushed to the hospital with a hole in my leg. They gave me not one, but two green whistles because I woke up in the ambulance. So I was on all the drugs in the world and then decided that when I worked woke up I loved everybody. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh Izzy it never gets old seeing videos like that of you and I've seen a couple now but that was one of the best that I've seen. And um I, I think the cool thing about my relationship with your dad and my relationship with you is we do share a fair bit of stuff with each other. And that was definitely one of the funnier videos that I've ever received at the end of the day. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's about it, is. Thank you so much for your time. Do you have
2: it's anything you yeah, want to ask to, be, your dad? Yeah, because go to I'm going to get go to a couple, but I'm going to another a couple. But you're talking yeah, about in college. I know before you left, you're close to so many of them. Who you keep in touch with? Who's going great? Tell us a bit about, from your perspective in the United States, some of your close friends and the female Aussie ballers out there that anyone listening to this can keep an eye out for over the next couple of years.
1: I mean, I think it's a really special connection, even though we're not at the same schools. We're kind of away from the internationals and in our not We're the only ones that know what each other's going through, kind of regardless of where you are in the US. But, I mean, I have... A few I have a few Aussies in the Pack 12 with me. Agnes is at Stanford, Izzy Palmer's at Utah. Um, so it's nice to actually be able to see them in season. And even if it's a hug for a second at the end of the game, I think it's a really special moment to be able to play against somebody that you've either played with or against growing up. And then I have other friends like George Amor, who's at Virginia Tech, and she's just led her team to like the highest ranking they've had in program history. So they're at number seven right now. And I think it's really special to see all these, like I grew up playing with them and they're such instrumental pieces to making these big college names, what they are. And I think that's something that not a lot of people understand. And for everybody else, we kind of leave for four years and then come back or we go to Europe or we try and stay here, but I think being in the ins and outs of it, we know what each other's going through and just even the check-in you get with somebody every month or two because you know that everybody's busy, but that little check-in I think is really important and you know that you have people here to reach out to that are all going through the same thing, so I think that's really special about it.
2: And you always share with them the best piece of advice you got from me, right?
1: Yes. Which was? I was going to say that off the court even from as bar- a basketball lesson but everything that you learn on the court can be translated to off the court and I think that's a really important thing and then that it doesn't matter if, kind of who's in the room but that you can learn something from anybody in a room so I think that would be the things I've taken away from you over the years I, to I won't
0: ask what you've let. I won't ask what she's learned from me over the years but uh
1: that's yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll
0: keep yeah. in
2: you keep them between these. yeah.
0: It's funny that you speak about that, is because you've actually had a pretty good blueprint with all the uh, Aussies in the NBA and how they've stuck close together. Now you guys were really good uh, as a junior national team. You guys are right on the brink of beating USA. What does the future look like for you and these girls that you're talking about? Like, have you guys spoken about it again, like wanting to reunite back in the green and gold later on and wanting to be the team that knocks off Team USA? Has that been a discussion at all?
1: I mean, between a few close people, I've had that discussion. It hasn't really been a broadened one yet, but I think we understand, like, even how I just mentioned that Georgia, she's one of the most instrumental pieces in her team right now, and you haven't really seen that in the past, that even in the NBA we're talking about a really international league now and it's not just the best players in the U.S. that are really making – moves but it's like the best players worldwide and I think it's we've really seen how big of a pathway this has become to then coming back into our kind of national system and obviously it's a honor to put on like that green and gold at any level and I've been lucky enough to do it on a junior level with a lot of these players over here but I think yeah it's special to know like how well everybody's doing here against the people that we'd be playing on us teams like it's we've got that exposure now and we know the style of play and i think it's just we've been immersed in it for so long that you kind of get that new perspective on it and i mean it could be really special when we come back and there's all these players that are making incredible college careers for themselves and then bring them all back together as one team i think it would be really special
0: you know how they speak about how it's really hard to follow in people's footsteps and obviously your mum was a really successful swimmer, your dad was a really successful basketballer. but having me as an uncle surely just takes the edge of everything of uh, no i'm I'm kidding uh,
2: ha-
0: has it been <laughs> tough for you personally like with expectations of what people think you should be or how they interpret it because you've been a taller girl for majority of your career that they think that you should be able to dominate everything. How has that been for you throughout probably to this stage?
1: Um, I would say that it's all external expectation and opinion and I think it really it got to me when I was younger but then you kind of as you learn about things and as you get older and mature, you realize which opinions are important and then the rest you kind of phase out and there was never any pressure from mum or dad. If I stopped loving basketball, I dropped the ball and never played again. And if I wanted to take a different path, that was fine too. So I think that I think that was probably one of my biggest learning curves is figuring out which opinions mattered the most and kind of following those because everybody's going to have something to say, but it doesn't mean it's the right thing to say. Um, so no, I think even since I got into the end of my juniors, when I was deciding on whether to come to college and there were people saying, no, don't do it. There were people saying, go for it. I think you learn which opinions are important and then first and foremost, it's your own and what you want to do. So I think that there was never any, push from either mum or dad to do this i think this all landed on me and that's kind of true for every decision i make if i don't love it i stop it um and if i can't give my all to it i stop it as well because that's something that i was kind of taught if i commit to it I, like you you see it out so i think that's important and but yeah i think it's just learning that not everybody's opinion is a credible one
0: Last thing that I'll leave you with, and, I, and I'm actually going to let Chris talk on this one, but my my very probably first basketball memory of you. Um, <laughs> you are a very young girl. Um, obviously, you were much taller than most, and you used to grab the rebounds and just put the ball above your head <laughs> like this. And uh, I believe Chris had taught you how to secure the ball. Um, Chris, do you remember this story, and can you uh, relay this story to to our viewers? Well,
2: Izzy must have been, I'll pick you up on that, not many people are viewing this audio podcast, but that's okay. Um, Izzy had put the ball up above her head, and I taught her to chin the ball, and she's allowed to protect the ball by pivoting. Now, Izzy did this one particular time, and she swung her elbow, and one of the other little girls, and Izzy might have been 12 years old at the time, maybe even a little bit younger, she just happened to put her nose in where Izzy had decided to put her elbow. And you just heard the, and then you heard the, I mean, Izzy's elbow hitting. She went and And you know, parents, they were up and they are in shock and they're stepping on the court and even still at the ball And the she doesn't pivot as moved. move. And she looks down at me with these scared eyes as if she got parents running at her. And I thought, in that moment, I thought, if I tell her off here, I'm full of shit. Because she just did exactly what I've been telling her to do. Maybe not as subtly as we would have liked, but and then again she was 10 or 12. So as she looked down at me and the parents looked to see what I would do, I just started clapping. I said, way really to protect the ball. Because the other girl had gone for it was an unfortunate accident. And it wasn't, it wasn't actually his fault. It was just a really unfortunate accident. And for a 10-or a young girl to have parents running at her and screaming at her for an accident was so out of whack and so incredibly wrong. But I didn't have to get up and start walking. the parents. They looked down and saw me and realised how shit they were being. And they retreated really, really quickly. But, no, it was always the easy, and she mentioned it earlier on the podcast, that she's very rare, especially in the... And has been through a junior career, she's been willing to play physically, to take hits, to hit people. In the spirit of the game and um yeah there's not a lot of people prepared to put their body on the line you what know, it takes to allow perhaps your more talented teammates the, the joy of the animals of the world to get in the space to create open shots to let them shine and i think one of the best qualities of big can have is to make sure the guards are okay and once you make sure your guards are okay the really good ones will make sure you're okay and I think it works that way. And maybe that's one of the lessons I've been trying to teach Izzy from the time I'm Well, she was 12, but um I reckon she figured it out all by herself.
0: I reckon she's done pretty bloody well for herself. Uh Iz, our first guest. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. I miss you. Don't know about your dad. I miss you. Uh and uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get to see you in a week. and Chris gets to see you in a week. No, that, that's, a, that's a fist pump, people. That's, that's, that's
1: a fist pump.
2: Being us, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, John Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Chris.
0: Thank you, Izzy.